back, everybody. You're listening to the Northern Miner Podcast, and I'm your host, Matthew Keevil. And this week, we're all about zinc. Well, mostly about zinc. Uh, Leslie and I put our heads together, um, and the thing we've been hearing the most, uh, whether it be on the floor of Roundup or during our industry conversations, is that zinc is back. And then we laughed, because it seems like annually or biannually for the last six or seven years, we hear zinc is back every year at least once. Um, But uh, that being said, um, the metal is performing well. Uh, Year on year, it's up to about 68%. uh, 68%. It was trading at $1.26 per pound at the time of recording. Um, And there's a lot of buzz from analysts and industry insiders saying that this time, this time, Zinc is back. Uh, So we're going to take a look at zinc this week. Uh, Leslie's Geology Corner is heavily focused on zinc deposits. If you're looking at companies that are exploring uh, or in development of zinc deposits, she'll dig into uh, sort of the triumvirate of different zinc deposits and what they mean. Um, Meanwhile, I'm going to touch a little bit on the market economics on zinc uh, and where some of the analysts are saying the metal is going. Um, Hint, hint, a few of them think we're going to see $2 again, which, uh, again, we haven't seen in about a decade. Uh, So uh, we'll see if that actually comes to fruition um but uh yeah we have a uh, a jam-packed zinc show now before we get into zinc show <laughs> as i'm calling it um let's crack in on our macro a little bit to start the week uh big news released this morning is the u.s trade deficit has hit its highest level in four years meanwhile spot gold retreated by five dollars per ounce to one thousand two hundred thirty dollars per ounce at the time of recording uh as european political jitters sent the dollar to its highest rally in more than two weeks um this is largely based on a rough start to the french election cycle that is bringing into question the long-term health of the european union Also not helping gold, Uh, investors took the opportunity to take some profits on the yellow metal, and Philadelphia Fed Bank President Patrick Harker noted that a March interest rate hike could still be on the table. On a positive note for gold, ETF saw another 182,000 ounces of inflows on Monday. Prices for base metals were down 1% this morning as a stronger U.S. dollar and slow Chinese interest is weighing on the complex. Analysts report China is not buying at these levels. Meanwhile, a strike appears imminent at the world's largest copper mine, BHP's Escondida. Uh, according to reports yesterday, Escondida's union number one, which represents some 2,500 workers, said it would undertake a longer strike than the one it carried out in 2006, which lasted 25 days. Analysts note a one-month strike action would cost Escondida 100,000 tons in lost copper production. Meanwhile, ferrous metal futures were up across the board overnight. Mills are generally optimistic about the steel market over the next few months, according to reports from analysts, and trading volumes are up for high-quality iron ore. And there is no change in the overnight met coal market. Steel mills are generally well-stocked. In China, buyers are trying to determine the market's direction. Domestic coal prices have fallen $4 per ton over the past few days and are under $170 per ton currently. Some are more optimistic, saying that India, Brazil, and China will return back on the bid side within a week after being on the sidelines for too long. And that pretty much wraps up our macro for the week. Uh, Just a quick rundown on some other commodities. Silver was trading at $17.84 per ounce. Copper was at $2.64 per pound. While West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil was at $52.60 per barrel. And now, 
without further ado, let's get to some zinc. Uh, the first thing we're going to run here is Leslie's Geology Corner this week, uh, which, as mentioned, digs deeply into zinc deposits. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, some of the research she did on the different types of zinc, uh, what kind of repercussions they could have with mining uh, operations and things like that, uh, concentrates, etc. Um, so without uh, any more delays, let's run this, um, and I will see you guys on the other side uh, just to talk a little bit about uh, some zinc supply-demand fundamentals and also maybe some companies uh, that have some good zinc exposure in terms of, um, you know, maybe diversified base metals producers, etc. Uh, so yeah, enjoy this. It's a great geology corner and I will talk to you soon. For this week's Geology Corner, I will kind of crack into um, the different types of zinc deposits. 800 acronyms. Yeah, the eight. <laughs> I just heard about five the, there. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. basically an alphabet. Okay. The alphabet of zinc deposits and what to look for when you're investing in a zinc company. Okay. Sounds good so, to me. Yeah. Um, it was cool because anyway, I was researching the subject, right? And I was really reminded by how much I love zinc. <laughs> Being that it's such a useful metal, unlike gold, which is chemically inert and pretty much useless and only used as a currency and something to drool over, zinc is in a class of its own, right? So it used to be used to make brass like for centuries and then about 200 years ago, people realized, um, discovered its amazing electrochemical properties. So what they realized is that basically zinc is a superhero element. Like you can take you can take zinc, coat it in anything, galvanize it, and yeah. it'll protect it from corrosion. Mm -hmm. I can take zinc and put it on my skin, and I can just like be shielded from the harmful UV rays when I'm surfing. So, and then of course you can take zinc and you can throw it in fertilizer, and it helps bring soil back to life. So ultimately, zinc is really hardcore, and I look so much younger because of it. So. <laughs> Great, great element. Um, so while 30% of the world's zinc actually comes from recycling, mm -hmm. um, the rest of it comes out of the ground. So one of the main sources is from volcanic, volcanogenic massive sulfide deposits, VMS, yep. the first acronym, um, which everyone is really familiar with anyway. It's um, usually zinc is mined as a byproduct with the copper and lead and sometimes gold. But there's also a couple of other zinc only-ish type of um, systems that you don't often hear much about, and that's what I'm going to talk about okay. today. Sounds good. Yes. So three main types. Um, we got the Mississippi Valley type. I've heard that before. Totally. Yeah. M MVT. Yep. Then you have the sedimentary exhalative model, which okay. is SEDEX. Okay. Um, and then you have a carbonate replacement deposit, which is a CRD. So that's what you'll hear about in the newswires. And they're each totally different, and they all have different end games. Okay. Which is interesting in terms of the size, potential, yep. tonnages. Some are high grades, what's some are going larger, on. et cetera. Yeah, yeah which yeah. is cool to know. It's important to know like what your company is going after. So MVT types, they account for 24% of the global resources of lead and zinc. And they're super prized, and I actually didn't really know this, is because they have really high quality zinc. Hmm. So there's actually low iron in the system. So the sphalerite that you see that contains the zinc and the lead and whatever, um, is a really nice honey color rather than that brassy brown, yep. which is cool. And so the benefit of having low iron means that the ore, when you get it through the smelter, will, will be less penalized. So unlike the zinc that's processed out of VMS deposits, 
which can be quite dirty. Iron rich. Totally. Kind of, yeah. So, and also the sphalerite crystals in MVT deposits are usually really huge because like they're filling giant void spaces and stuff. Um, and that makes the zinc easier to recover. Oh, okay. So ultimately with an MVT, what you're getting back is a premium zinc deposit, Ooh. which is kind of cool. So some of the major districts in the world obviously includes the drainage basin around the Mississippi River in central US, which is thus the name. Thus the name, yeah. And then um, here in Canada, we have Pine Point and Yellowknife. Okay. We have the former Polaris mine in none of it the former gays river mine in nova scotia and then our friends out in wa get to hang out in leonard's shelf and yep. beyond so these are some of like the major districts um the deposits themselves are epigenetic genetic okay so um that's a fancy word for saying that the metal rich fluids were introduced after the host rocks so in the case of mvts fluids okay migrate in deep basinal brines and they're stripping metals and sulfur out of the rock, and it's eventually transported through faults and fractures until it hits a reducing sequence, like a reef-rich carbonate rock, and all the metals get dumped out. Now, this sounds a lot like red bed copper, <laughs> but in this case, it's a gray bed zinc. The oh. difference being that the fluids involved are reduced rather than oxidized. And so because of all this faulting and fluid flow, the carbonates are dissolved and brecciated, which historically has caused a big, big problem for miners in the past, right? Because what happens is, is that all these rocks are broken and brecciated and like dissolved and et cetera from all these fluids and the formation, um, you get a lot of water kind of flushing through them. Okay. So when you're mining, it's just like you're constantly pumping and it's a big problem. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. So the things out in um, Polaris is, is an issue there and some of the deposits in Gaze River. So um, that's something that if you were a junior, you'd have to kind of like look out for if you're an investor. So you look out for the companies and whether they have that problem and what it is that they're doing to mitigate that problem. Okay. Cool. So MVTs, okay, they, they can be 7 million tons of about high-grade zinc, so um, 8% lead and zinc. Now, that's not that big, but... The thing is with MVTs is that they occur in districts where there can be seriously hundreds of them. Okay. So they form little discrete little bodies, but collectively they make up a lot of tons. A lot of tons, yeah. So something really important to note, um, and that's something else that investors can look at is whether these companies that are exploring for MVT deposits, if they have a big land package, because you want to have as many deposits as possible to really make it into a big play. So just finding one wouldn't really help you very much. Maybe not just one unless it's like <laughs> a super giant, giant one. But yeah. again, they always, they, there's, if there's one, there's going to be heaps more. more. So that's potentially one little thing. Um, and of course, like I mentioned, uh, if you're looking for, at a company that has a more developed prospect, like um, Darnley Resources, who's up in none of it none now, of it. looking at reigniting exploration at Polaris. Yeah. Which is a cool story. Yeah, it is actually. Yeah. 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 So um, you might have to like see how, how that water issue is going to play out in the long run, too. Mm -hmm. So anyway, that's cool. That's MVTs. Oh, SEDEX deposits. All right. So SEDEX deposits are like the big boys and girls in the zinc world. Okay. They're huge. They account for 50% of the lead and zinc reserves and 25% of the global production. These numbers aren't exactly accurate. I think maybe they're a few years old. Okay. So anyway, just full disclosure. Yeah. Um, the super giants we have here in BC is the Sullivan the deposit Sullivan, yeah. in South BC, That's right? right. Yeah. Um, we also have Mount Isa and MacArthur in, in Australia, in those Australia. districts. Yeah. 
And we have a cluster up in the Yukon, like Pharaoh and Mac Pass and Howard's Pass. And of course, who can forget? Red Dog. Red Dog yeah. in Alaska. Yeah. Long, long life model. <laughs> yeah. has been around forever. So um, unlike MVTs, uh, SEDEX deposits, they're hosted in big packages of super boring shale sequences. Um, but the big difference is that the metals uh, were deposited at the same time as their host sediments. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So what happened was is that you have deep basinal brines. They're oxidized, and they're being potentially driven by maybe a deep-seated magmatic body to get those hydrothermal cells kind of going. And the fluids strip the metals out of the shales, where they're eventually like refocused along structures. And they travel upwards through and are exhaled onto the sea floor. Um, sounds like a VMS deposit, yeah, right? But it it's actually not. It's uh, there's no volcanism related with it. It's okay. not volcanic hosted. Okay. It's actually hosted in sediments, but kind of the same sort of circulating fluid through and exhaling out in the sea floor while the sediments are being deposited. Now there's bit of an issue here because people don't agree. Some say that the fluids actually don't need to be exhaled on the seafloor. Sometimes they're subsurface. And then there's some deposits that form super distal to the vents, being that they're like, I don't know, a plume fallout that's been dispersed by bottom currents or reworked sulfide mounds. Okay. So there's a lot of like talk about how these things form, but definitely different from MVTs. Um, in fact, that they can be bigger. So giant SEDEX deposits contain more than 8 million tons of lead and zinc metal, which is pretty good, uh, with grades averaging around 7% zinc, 3% lead, whereas supergiants can have 100 to 300 million tons of ore. Oh, wow. Which is huge, okay? Mm -hmm. And you take Howard's Pass in the Yukon, for example, yeah. Yeah. it has potentially half a billion tons of 5% zinc. It's like sediment hosted seems to promote size. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's that, that dispersion. Yeah, but lower right? grades, obviously. Um, a little bit lower grade for, mm -hmm. for Howard Pass, which is part of the issue up there. And, of course, with recovery, because the, the sphalerite and stuff is finer grain, so it's harder to get the, no, the yeah, zinc out. That makes sense. So, yeah, that's kind of um, the story with SEDEX deposits. So they have a big... They, they have a big size potential there, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, but again, you look at grain sizes, you look at percentages, and, and see if that's actually going to if work. If it's economic. Yeah. And if it's economic. Mm -hmm. But there, the size potential is there. Is there, yeah. Yeah, so, um, and then the last main type of zinc deposit would be the CRDs, the carbonate replacements. Um, they're such a mixed bag, and I, and I won't go into them in too much detail, because honestly, I haven't done research as much. <laughs> We're just, and yeah, we're just getting the definitions out here. Yeah, and, and that, that definition is like jumping all over the place because um, there's been a lot of work in the past decade on them. Peter McGaw being, you yeah. know, a bit of an in-house expert with Meg Silver, mm -hmm. um, he's director, and he does heaps of work on CRDs. And what are they? Well, they're basically, you know, deposits that form from the replacement of carbonate rocks because of metals introduced by an intrusive. He's also a manto guy, isn't he? Yeah, because yeah. they're all kind of CRDs and mantos. So you get scarns, then you get mantos, which is like in a different host rock, like maybe a shale or something. And then you get like chimneys. And so this is like a big, broad spectrum of, of deposit types that are blanketed in this term called CRD. Because I remember Arizona Mining has a Taylor deposit, and they've mentioned both. 
cool. Manto and, and carbonate replacement, I think. Not as in terms of what they're exploring now is both, but they have both on the, yeah. on the property. So maybe there's some sort of correlation. I, I have no idea, but they seem to run in... Yeah, they totally run in tandem. Yeah, yeah. they're related to an intrusive. Yeah, yeah. And like the temperatures and the fluids and mm -hmm. how those rocks react to, um, like a mantle being more shale hosted, and then you have a, a carbonate hoses, the carbonate the, rock. Yeah, yeah. So in those sorts of situations, you you have to be in a terrain where you have like formal carbonate sequences and then your outboard shale sequences and you have intrusions coming up through. I think that like maybe structure would be also important because yeah. like you need to be able to get to know like where you're like you you, ha you can have a big intrusion but you, fluid flow is everything and structures go through or like control the fluid flow like in all these deposits mm -hmm. right I'm always a big fan of structures yeah getting to know um where, where the fluids are coming from and where you're going to get like that source, that epicenter. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is with CRDs, they can also form quite distal from the intrusion source. Oh, okay. So sometimes you don't even see them um, nearby. Maybe they're deeply buried or whatever. So there's like, again, a mixed bag. But CRDs um, and some zinc deposits too, they, they are in their own class of other. Mm. Like you look at Kipushi and yeah. um, that's a totally zinc. different zinc deposit. It's more of like the zinc end member of a sediment hosted red bed copper deposit really yeah so yeah. it's basically the same thing so wow. again these deposits are really really unique um each of them are because you're looking at structures you're looking at the host rocks and then you look at the proximity of the sources and in each one of those variations you're going to get like a different kind of deposit so there's a lot of room there for um like innovative thinking of what the deposit can look like and what you could go after and i guess revisiting old camps maybe yeah you cool i want to look into this darnley bay the Darn Darn yeah darnley? i've heard about it there's a they have some fairly weighty shareholders, I gather. Oh, car. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, so. it's an interesting district, so we'll see um, how that kind of flies. But anyway, so hopefully you guys have all learned a little bit about the uh, alphabet of zinc deposits. And if you have any more questions, then please get in touch. Otherwise, I will look more into the CRDs. Just set a little bit, I believe. Yeah, and the other thing is, like, it sounds like we're going to be looking at zinc quite a bit more moving into this year. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it's like going, going to be come like, up again. A lot of companies are going to be running that, running forward with zinc plants. studio uh, so yes indeed zinc has been on everyone's lips it seems to start the year um, and more than a few people have warned me wait till PDAC you're gonna see an absolute onslaught of new zinc deals um, so it'll be interesting to watch I've had a few good conversations recently uh, sat down and had a talk with Lucas Lundin the other day on the phone uh, for a quick interview and he mentioned zinc as one metal he likes as well uh, said there's definitely um, sort of a supply gap coming up that uh, should make it a good metal this year um, so right now we'll go through a few uh, analyst reports I have on the metal. Just look at some zinc supply, demand fundamentals. Um, this one's from Scotiabank, who awarded zinc its winning medal for January. Uh, they note that uh, zinc is getting tighter and tighter. Uh, we are seeing daily declines in available zinc inventory on the London Metals Exchange, which reached eight-year lows in late January. Uh, global stocks of zinc are at 717,000 tons, which is a 30,000 ton drop in January, or 3.8%. That follows a 2.2% uh, decline in global zinc stocks in December. 
And Scotiabank adds that these uh, supply declines could actually accelerate, and they are seeing no new mine uh, mines coming online that could help alleviate this. Um, one thing uh, that could cause a little bit of overhang uh, that a few analysts note is that Glencore took about 500,000 tons of zinc supply uh, off the market in 2015, or I, I should say supply, um, and we have not heard yet uh, when Glencore might be bringing uh, quite, a, quite a significant amount of zinc back on the market. So that could be one overhang that we see uh, sort of slowing down uh, uh, um, if there is going to be a price acceleration this year. And uh, I have a list here from Scotiabank. If you are looking for uh, zinc exposure, uh, companies with notable zinc leverage, uh, Pure Play, uh, Trevelli Mining, uh, Developer, Arizona Mining, uh, Metals Miners, uh, Tech Resources, Hud Bay Minerals, Lundin Mining, and Nev Sun Resources. On the silver side, uh, Hecla, uh, Pan American Silver, um, are two that are listed as having uh, a sensitivity to zinc that uh, might be a little bit intriguing if we see a bump here. Now, if you're looking to uh, sink your teeth into something a little bit more on the junior side, we have uh, mentioned uh, Arizona Mining and the Taylor Deposit, which has been making headlines over the past year with some impressive zinc uh, intercepts. Uh, we did have a uh, episode with Joe Mazumdar from Exploration Insights uh, about a month ago, um, uh, where we did mention there was some questions surrounding their concentrate and manganese content. So, if you want to uh, really dig into Arizona Mining and the Taylor Deposit, uh, fast or rewind, I should say, uh, to our uh, episode with Joe Mazumdar on Arizona. Uh, and we dig into that in a great deal of depth. Um, other uh, other companies on the junior side with zinc exposure, um, Vendetta Mining is advancing as Pegmont lead zinc deposit in Australia. Recently intersected 14.77 meters of 11.99. 11.91% uh, combined lead and zinc at its zone 5 target. Uh, meanwhile, Tinka Resources is advancing the Alawilka property 200 kilometers northeast of Lima in central Peru. Uh, Tinka closed a $11 million private placement in late November, again speaking to the uh, broader and growing market interest in zinc. So yes, uh, as I have been warned, uh, keep your eyes open at PDAC because I hear there will be uh, a significant amount of zinc plays probably rolling out there. Uh, we'll see as the market uh, moves forward here. We mentioned the Glencore overhang. Uh, there is always uh, always that risk that the taps could get turned on again. Though from what I'm hearing, people aren't quite as concerned that China has the capacity uh, due to some small-scale mining concerns and new regulations to sort of turn the taps on like they did back in uh, the late two, uh, 2008, 2009, 2010. Uh, so interesting stuff for zinc. Um, and just to wrap up, the other thing, uh, I, I actually had a, a tweet about this, and they're like, well, if you're going to talk about zinc, you got to talk about lead. And I'm like, well, nobody's talking about lead. But actually, uh, uh, as per uh, late January, lead prices were up 70% year-to-date, making it the best metal um, in the base metals complex so far this year. Uh, so that's uh, so so. don't forget lead. Uh, a lot of these zinc projects do have uh, uh, lead credits. Um, lead was trading at a around a dollar, I think, uh, at the time recording um so yeah uh, do do pay attention to the lead side as uh companies with zinc leverage also have lead leverage so uh whenever you're making that investment you should be mindful of what's going on in the lead market um and so uh it just just to note um who has really big lead exposure uh a question you may not ever ask yourself um so assuming a 20 percent move in the lead price um 
Hecla actually uh, is on top of Scotiabank's coverage universe as far as having uh, the greatest chance to move based on lead pricing. And then the other company is uh, not, maybe too surprisingly, Trevally Mining. Uh, we've mentioned them a few times. Uh, they have the Santander mine uh, in South America as well as the Caribou operation in eastern Canada. Uh, so they, uh, they, those are companies that sort of stand to benefit as this uh, zinc-lead rally uh, proceeds forward. Um, so yeah, so that pretty much wraps up our, our, our zinc, uh, a zinc show. <laughs> um, yeah, but it it's very topical, and I think everyone's going to enjoy it because uh, moving ahead this year, it's it seems to be uh, sort of a hot topic of discussion. Um, and as we mentioned, we sort of laugh because we hear this every year. Um, but uh, it seems like people are are, are are turning into believers this year, even those who had uh, previously been cynics. Uh, so interesting. So thank you again for joining us. This has been the Northern Miner Podcast, and I am your host, Matthew Keeble, and I will talk to you next week.